Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about how to ditch bad habits. We all have them, don't we? I know I do. I have some habits that I could get rid of that would probably improve my wellness. And it is Wellness Month at NASM, so I thought this was a perfect topic. So remember the song from Chicago, You're a Hard Habit to Break? Well, I just think that there's so much truth to that, that habits are difficult to break. Um, But we also have a lot of positive habits. You know, I did a podcast recently on six positive habits that we can adapt into our daily lives that will improve our mental health. But at the same time that we have these positive habits that we want to create, we have these not so positive habits that stand in the way of good wellness. Maybe it's things like biting our nails Maybe it's things like hitting the snooze button over and over again in the morning. Maybe it's letting one hour of TV a night turn into three hours of TV. Maybe it is that we reach for a chip and it becomes a bag of chips. Or, you know, for me, that would be more like I reach for a scoop of ice cream, which turns into not just a scoop of ice cream. But I figure even if you don't have a bad habit, big throat clear here, maybe you know somebody who does, maybe there's somebody in your world who has a bad habit, maybe your client does, and negative habits hijack our wellness. And again, it's Wellness Month and NASM. So I have some six simple steps to help us ditch our bad habits and hopefully replace those with more positive habits, like I talked about in my previous podcast. So why are habits hard to break in the first place? Well, there's a lot of brain research out there that talks about that if we perform an activity over and over again, it becomes repetitive and we do it unconsciously. We do it unconsciously and automatically and we process unconscious things that we do differently than we process conscious behaviors. And so it's why so many times we perform a habit and we don't even know we're doing it. It's why if you know somebody who cracks their knuckles, a lot of times they do it and they don't even realize they're doing it or they're biting their nails and they don't even realize they're doing it because it becomes habit. They're not even consciously thinking about it. It's just like how we talked about how to build positive habits. We try to build things that we do over and over again so that they become routine and our brain processes them and we want to keep doing them. But according to neuroscience research, we can also train our brain to process information differently to avoid those unconscious habits. So those are the six tips that I'm going to share with you. So let's deep dive into that pool of how to get rid of bad habits. So number one, my first tip for that is that you have to claim it to tame it. You have to become consciously aware that you're doing the behavior when you're engaging in the behavior. And I think that sometimes this takes enlisting the help of those around you. So when um, if there's a habit you fall into, for instance, I will give you one of mine. Okay, dirty, dark secret. Number one, I have a potty mouth sometimes. What? And when my daughters were growing up, I would say, okay, mommy needs to stop saying that word because that's not a good word. So I would say to them, every time I say that word, I have to put a quarter in the jar. And however much money goes in the jar is your guys' to spend. Well, it started costing me a lot of money. So I decided maybe that wasn't such a bad habit after all, but it really was. So 
Either you get out a piece of paper and you tally every time you crack your knuckles or bite your nails or one chip turns into 30 chips or one hour TV turns into three or you have a potty mouth. So it's that conscious awareness that we move from that unconscious, unaware state to consciousness and we make a tally or we put a dime in the jar or whatever we decide that we want to do. Because when we keep score, it makes us consciously aware of that behavior every time we engage in it. And awareness leads to ownership. We have to claim entertainment. We have to know what we're doing in order to be able to change it. So that's number one is just become consciously aware. My second tip on how to break dirty habits or ditch dirty habits is to focus on why. I think that we have to know the why behind the reason that we're doing something. It's not enough just to want to change our behavior. We kind of have to have a, a deeper, more intentional, more purposeful reason for wanting to break those habits. We know the power of intrinsic, <clears throat> excuse me, we know the power of intrinsic motivation. We know that just because we lecture somebody that smoking is bad for them made no one stop smoking ever or telling somebody, you know, drinking four glasses of red wine is probably not the best idea. Again, made no one ever stop dr drinking red wine because just telling someone what to do and even giving them all the research on why they shouldn't want to do it is just not enough because habits are connected all throughout our body. I mean, we, our brain just gets trained into that behavior. We get comfortable. Um, we think that we need it to calm our nervous system or whatever it is. I mean, any smoker will tell you that they smoke because that helps them to feel less anxious when we know better. We know the research supports that that's not what smoking does. Smoking does not calm you down. So um, it does nothing to invite motivation to change when we tell people simply what to do. So instead, let's say it's your client and you're trying to help them break this habit of um, eating chips. Okay. So first of all, motivational interviewing ties big into kind of helping them discover their reasons for change instead of just telling them what to do. Instead of trying to fix people and change their habits for them, we have to invite them to want to change their habit, right? We have to invite them into this and collaborate with them and help them discover how to change and why it's possible for them to change and then take a journey with them, sit in the driver's or sit in the passenger seat while they're driving the vehicle because they are the vehicle for change. We're just the passenger collaborating with them and motivating them and helping them discover why change is so important to them. So have them list another piece of paper, have them list why it's important to them to change that habit. Why do they want to break the habit? So again, I'm Angie Miller. I'm talking about habits. Why or how can we ditch those bad habits? Because it's wellness month. And how are we going to get well if we don't get rid of bad habits? So we're talking about using motivational interviewing to help clients go through that discovery of change process, why they want to change and what will help them change. So first of all, we could ask ourselves or a client, how is that habit negatively impacting your life? So how is it negatively impacting your life to, um, to bite your nails? How is it negatively impacting your life to watch three hours of TV a night? And then how would your life be better 
if you didn't engage in that bad habit. So maybe your client has a chocolate habit. I have a chocolate habit. How would my life be better if I didn't engage in that habit? Well, I would have, you know, I would be healthier inside because probably eating chocolate a lot is not the healthiest thing. Another question you could ask yourself or a client, and it's very much tied into motivational interviewing is a year from now, if that habit were no longer a part of your life, how would your health be better? So, you know, if a client is sitting down and one hour TV turns into three or five minutes of social media scrolling turns into 50 minutes, that's time that could be replaced with healthier habits. So a year from now, if they didn't spend that amount of time, what could they be doing instead? Um, and then another question you could ask them is, what could you add to your life rather than take away to help your help break that? habit that you're trying to break? What can you add? So whenever I talk to clients about losing weight, instead of talking about what they need to get rid of, I talk about what they could add, exercise, healthy food. So we like to think about what we can bring into our life versus deprivation, what we have to get rid of. So if they could add something to their life rather than take away, what would they, what would they want to add? Okay. For added motivation, maybe they list those reasons why they want to get rid of that habit on their refrigerator, on their bathroom mirror, somewhere where they see it all the time to remind themselves, you know, on a regular basis, why they want to change that behavior or why they want to ditch that habit. All right. So that's number two. Number three, another reason talking about how to ditch bad habits is speaking of replacement replace your habit with a better habit. We all like replacement behavior. It tends to work. It really does. Um, you know, if we want to chew less gum, maybe we eat more mints instead. If we want to eat uh, less chips, maybe we make baked kale chips. Um, so in his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear says that it's easier to let go of a habit when you replace it with a healthier alternative. Because remember, our habits, the reason why they're so comfortable, they're like a warm, fuzzy blanket, is because they're part of our routine. They're part of how we identify, um, good or bad. You know, I, I have a habit. I get up every morning. I get a cup of coffee. I sit down. I check my email. You know, I have this little routine that I've created. It creates my safe space, whether I'm on the road or whether I'm at home. Habits just become such a big part of how we identify whether they're good or bad. So again, if we want our clients to stop eating chips, we give them a replacement behavior. We suggest that they make baked kale chips, and then maybe we give them a recipe because it's crunchy and they are are actually really delicious if you've ever tried them. So the new habit sends the message to the brain um, that we're eating something healthy, therefore we're a healthy eater and healthy people don't eat Doritos, right? <laughs> what? Okay. So here's another one. All right. If you haven't liked those three, I got another one for you. Don't worry. I'm going to keep them coming. Da, 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 drum roll. Number four, try habit stacking. All right, so here's how this goes. Let's say that you want to stop getting on your phone and trolling social media first thing in the morning. And let's say that what usually happens is you grab that cup of coffee and you sit down and you start trolling social media. That's your routine. That's your safe space. That's your warm blanket every morning. 
But let's say that you decide that trolling social media is not the best way to start your day because it doesn't put you in the best place because it looks like everybody else has this amazing life and you're wondering how come you don't. So the habit you want to break is to stop trolling social media. So if we have it stacked, you keep the coffee because that's a good habit. We can all have a cup of coffee in the morning. So maybe you decide that instead of trolling social media, you're going to take a 10 minute walk every morning because that's about how long allegedly you get on social media. So you have it stacked. You keep the coffee. You put the coffee in a hydro flask. Nope, this isn't a hydro flask commercial. I don't care what you put it in. You put your coffee in something that keeps it warm and then you set out on your 10 minute walk instead of trolling social media. But the coffee is your comfort zone because that's a habit that has stayed with you. And it's a way of connecting a healthy habit with um, a more productive habit every day. Right. So it's a way of kind of getting yourself off social media, connecting a healthy habit with another healthy habit. I like that one. Stacking habits. All right. Number five, we can remember the power of visual reminders. Visual reminders are huge. So let's start with a visual reminder that we don't want to see. I'm not really a chip eater. My husband's a huge chip eater. So when I open up my pantry every day, I swear you don't want to know how many bags of chips are in there. And they're right at my eye level. Now, if I were a chip eater, that would be a huge problem. So I keep chocolate. I keep it in the freezer. I keep it in the back of the freezer. I don't want to see the chocolate first thing when I open the freezer. I hide my chocolate behind my vegetables. <laughs> don't ask me if it always works. But anyway, so visual is huge. When I look at those chips, thank goodness I'm not a chip eater. But why do you think companies fight for shelf space in grocery stores? Did you know? That's a real thing. They fight for shelf space because they want their product to be at eye level. They want their product. That's why they create these big visual displays of products because they want to sell, sell, sell. It's a visual appeal and it's also about, you know, alignment and where it's at according to eye level, that type of thing. So we have to remove the temptations. We have to stuff the junk food way back there. Out on the counter, we have to put stuff that we do want to eat, like a bowl of fruit or some healthier snacks, put those kale chips out there. But we can also, when we talk about visual, again, we're not just talking about getting rid of visual. We're talking about adding positive visuals, you know, the bowl of fruit, that type of thing. But we can also use visual reinforcement like positive affirmations. And I love positive affirmations. We can use them to break habits too. We can use notes all throughout our house that say things like, and I don't care if you think this is corny, it's, it's actually evidence-based affirmations help. You can say things like, I am a healthy eater, or it feels great to be a healthy eater, or I love to eat things that are good for my body. So it's kind of like, I remember years ago um, learning, uh, I took a workshop and we were talking about how to remember names. And the gentleman presenting the workshop said, I never say I'm bad at names. He said, instead, I'll ask someone their name and I'll say, thank you so much. I'm really trying to get good at remembering names. So what we tell ourselves over and over again is what we believe. So if we put positive affirmations around our house, do we send signals to our brain that we are what we're striving to become? And our brain kind of, you know, loves that positive reinforcement. And there's a greater chance that we're going to take the buy-in. I mean, imagine if you put, you know, reinforcement all throughout your house and it was icky, ugly messages to yourself. Wouldn't you rather put positive affirmations? 
We can use stickers, sticky notes, any kind of visual reminder and put them wherever the habit usually happens. So maybe we put a positive affirmation in the fruit bowl and we're like, I love when I eat a juicy apple, it's crunchy, it's healthy and it's good for me, whatever you want to tell yourself. But just it helps to put it wherever the habit usually happens, wherever you generally reach for the chips, put a positive affirmation about reaching for something healthier so that you can rethink that in the moment and trigger a different behavior. You can also use your smartphone. You can set reminders on your phone and you can remind yourself, uh, remember to take that 10 minute walk because remember how amazing that feels. Remember to take that 10 minute walk instead of scrolling social media. So again, I'm Angie Miller and we are talking about how to ditch bad habits. So the first one was we have to bring awareness, right? We have to bring awareness that we actually are engaging in this bad habit. And then the second one was, what was the second one? Hold on here. I'm going to tell you in just a second. I shouldn't have started this because I don't yet to claim it to tame. It was the first one. So you have to bring awareness about that habit. And the second one was you have to focus on why, why do you want to change it? And the third one is to replace it with another more positive habit. And the fourth one was trying habit stacking. Okay. Now let's move on. Let's talk about all or nothing mindset. A lot of times when we try to change behavior, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and the P word comes in. We go after perfectionism. I have to do it. I have to just go all or nothing. And if I'm not perfect, then forget it. I'm going to give up. But we have to really accept that we are probably going to slip up a time or two or three or four, because that's just the, that's just the, the thing that happens when we try to change behavior. It doesn't just fall into place seamlessly. Changing habits is really hard because remember, they become a part of who we are. So if we want to, we have to remember, you know, that we have to have a plan. You know, I remember teaching a workshop years ago on how to help clients um, when they fall off the wagon. So they go on vacation for two weeks and then they don't exercise for two months and they fall off the wagon and they come back and they're like, oh, every time I start exercising, I fall off the wagon. And what if it happens again? So we have to have a plan in place of, well, if it happens again, and it very well could, and that's okay. This is what we're going to do. Next time you go on vacation, this is how we're going to make sure that you don't fall off the wagon. And so I think it's important when we talk about habits to realize that an all or nothing mindset doesn't do anybody any good. We fall into feelings of shame and blame and failure feels really, really demoralizing. So if you fall back into an old habit, you might start to wonder, can I really, really do this? I mean, am I actually able to change my behavior? And you might begin to doubt yourself and just kind of feel inclined to give up. But it's really important to focus on your success. If you went 
one week without touching chocolate and then the weekend came and you had a piece of cake, then focus on the one week that you went without touching chocolate, not the one time over the weekend that you had a piece of cake. So we have to remind our clients to focus on the positive, focus on the seven days they went without chocolate and not let the one time they allowed themselves that special treat to get in their space and to let it feel demoralizing or familiar to feel like they, they aren't able to do it. Remember that we're striving for behavior change. We're not striving for perfection. We're trying to improve. It's not trying to be perfect. None of us are perfect. We're just gradually trying to change habit. And remember that anything that you do more of that's good Anything that's more of what you want, bleh. anything you do that's more of what you want is good. So if you eat less chocolate, then you're doing more of what you want. And that's a good thing. And if you have one piece of chocolate once a week, that's okay. So those are my six ways. And I have a couple of extra bonus ways that I want to real quick share with you. Um, I think it's really important to remind our clients to start small. Don't try to change more than one habit at a time. Pick one habit, the biggest one that has the greatest impact on their life. The one that if you ask them what their life would look like a year from now, if they were to change that habit, the really big driver in their life that is getting in the way of positive change. Start with that one habit. And until we've really got that one mastered, try not to overwhelm with more than one habit change at a time, right? And the last one is think about environment. Because environment plays a key role. If I have a lot of clients tell me that um, they are quote unquote social smokers. So they go out and if they have a glass of wine, then it invites them to smoke a cigarette. And so environment is huge. If that's what happens, then maybe rethink the environment and also the people you're surrounded by. If you hang out with people who smoke, you're more likely to smoke. If you hang out with people who eat poorly, you're more likely to eat poorly. So environment has to do with not just your environment itself, but the, um, the people that you hang out with and the people you surround yourself with. But remember the old saying, you know, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So habits just have to start small and we have to grow from there and we have to pay attention to our environment. But again, just remember, ask why, remember to have awareness, remember to keep score, keep tally, remember to replace the habit with something more positive, or remember that you can have it stack, so you can keep one habit and stack it with another one. There's lots of different ways to break bad habits for us and for our clients. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Angie Miller. I hope that you have an amazing week, and I can't wait to see you next time. Oh,